0: Kids singing that and, and just shouting and spinning around and singing that yes, Lord. They didn't have nothing, folks. They had nothing. But you know what? They had Jesus and they were happy and they had the joy of the Lord. And I tell you what, it was something... It was something to see. It was awesome. It was awesome. So praise God. Are you glad you've got the joy of the Lord in your heart tonight? Amen. Are you glad you got the devil under your feet? Amen. He's under our feet tonight. And um, God has given us victory over him, over Satan and all the works of darkness. And it's just good. It's just no matter how you slice it. It's just good being a Christian, being a child of God. Isn't that right? There's no better life any that anybody could live than to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. You got your Bibles tonight. Amen. We're gonna go to the Book of Jude this evening and. Uh, um, pick up where we left off last week. We've been this will be our third week in the book of Jude, and probably next week we'll finish it up. And so uh then we'll move on to something else. This one's not taking near as long as Revelation, is it? Amen. Or Proverbs, either one, but um, but we are uh, in this book of Jude tonight and um Just been learning some great things here, and uh, the uh, the writer here, the the um, the Lord's brother, James's brother Jude, writes this letter to uh, warn of um, false teachers, apostates, those who are teaching false doctrine. And uh, that had infiltrated the church in that day, in that early day. I was—I uh, read a story the other day about a man that went into a bank to rob the bank. And he wrote out a note, you know, and, and, uh, to the teller and said, this is a holdup, put all your money in this bag. And he slid it into the teller. She looked at the note. She wrote a note and slid it back to him, and her note said, Straighten your tie, stupid. They're taking your picture. Amen. Well, why would you want a picture of a a bank robber? Why would you want a picture of a bad guy? Well, you would want his picture so that everybody would know that he's a bad guy, that he is dangerous, that he is a criminal, that he is a lawbreaker, and he needs to be identified. How many would agree tonight that the bad guys need to be identified? Amen. We need to know who they are. We need to know the guys with the white hats and the guys wearing the black hats. Amen. The good guys and the bad guys. And so they've taken... that picture of that bank robber, and they'd put his picture on television and everywhere. Uh, They'd hang it up in the post office, I guess, and everywhere else till they caught him to know what this bad guy looks like. Well, how many of y'all know there are a lot of spiritual criminals today in the world, a lot of spiritual felons today? that are bad guys and that are pretending to be good guys. Jesus said that they were, they were <clears throat> wolves in sheep's clothing. He said they, they appear to be sheep, but inwardly, outwardly they're sheep, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. And he said you need to, to be aware of that and know who they are. Jesus went on to say in Matthew chapter 7 that we would know them how? By their fruit. Isn't that right? So we are to be able to identify. And you know, we're living in a time when you when you when you when you say something about somebody that's that's teaching something that's wrong, immediately they want to pounce on you and say, Oh, you're judging. You're judging. Well, yes, we are. We are to judge doctrine. Amen. I can't judge you and in the intents of your heart because I don't know what's in your heart. But we can judge fruit, and we're definitely supposed to judge doctrine, whether it's right, doctrine, wrong, doctrine, true, or false. Amen. And so, um, you know, we we need to identify those, um, and God wants us to know what the bad guys, the false teachers, the apostates look like. And here in Jude, that is what he does. Jude gives us a description of, A very good description of what uh, the enemy looks like, the false teachers look like, the apostates look like. And I mentioned this the other day. And and the thing we find out about Jude, that Jude was not a seeker-sensitive preacher. Not at all, I mean he's not he's not trying to coddle anybody. Uh, he's not you know, just saying, well, you know God understands, I know you've got some problems here, but I mean, he just lets them know uh, he uh, he he shucks the corn down to the cob, Amen. He he uh, gets down where the rubber meets the road, and 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 um, and so that's that's good. We need that, and that's why it's so important that we understand the teaching here of the book of Jude. Now Satan is uh, walking about. We know that he's uh, as a roaring lion, isn't that right? He's seeking whom he may devour. And uh, the chief weapon, now listen, the chief weapon, if we were to ask what the chief weapon of Satan is against the church, a lot of people would say, well, it's persecution. But uh, I don't believe that's the chief weapon. He has used persecution against the church. Satan has. um, uh, All through history, we've been protected pretty much here in America from severe persecution. We've been blessed in that That area, but the Bible says that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And Satan, it you know, the more Satan has persecuted the church in the past, the more the church flourished. The church has never really um, been prosperous, spiritually prosperous or, or successful as much in prosperity times as it has in times of persecution. Because it's in those times of persecution that the church seems to flourish. And to grow and to get strong. and um, But uh, the chief weapon of the enemy, of Satan against the church, is not persecution. Amen? Because the more he's persecuted the church, the stronger it's gotten, the more it's grown. So his chief weapon is not persecution from the outside. But the wet chief weapon of the enemy is to infiltrate the church from the inside. That's That's how he works and operates, is to get in the church and to work on the inside, from the inside, with false doctrine. And he has been successful in that. Satan has infiltrated many denominations, uh, many Bible schools and churches, and has caused them, led them away, and caused them to uh, depart, to apostatize, to depart from the faith that was once delivered to the saints and that's the key uh, the 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 main thrust of jude's teaching here is verse number three of this letter where Jude said, "I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints so the faith and when we talk of the faith we're not talking of faith where we're believing god for an answer to prayer that type of faith but the faith is is this book it's the cardinal doctrines and the teachings of the word of god that have been passed down handed down to us uh, that make up the canon of scripture that make Make up this Bible that have been passed down from the uh, prophets and the apostles and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's only one faith, ladies and gentlemen. There's not uh, two faiths. There's only one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one faith, and that is faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and faith in what he teaches in this book so uh, a lot of denominations churches, Bible colleges Bible schools have departed from that faith and in these last days we do see that there is a falling away upon us uh, upon us here in America and other places as well but praise God there is a move of God that is taking place, we mentioned it to you Sunday uh, Asbury College and Kentucky they're still they're still going they're still going I mean uh, uh, it's been a week I think today I think last Wednesday at morning chapel the Holy Spirit fell and it's been a continuous uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit since then 24 7 people are coming from everywhere the bus and students in from other colleges they're coming in nothing uh, you know and what it is it's it's a time they're seeking the Lord, they're worshiping God. They're not bringing in no special speakers or anything like that. It is a sovereign move of God. There's the worship team is just is just up there singing, and people are worshiping. People are in the altars. They're seeking the Lord. They said that the carpeting around the altar area is soaking wet from tears of people that are repenting and calling upon the Lord. That is revival. That is true revival. Amen. Ooh, God, let it spread everywhere. Bring it to us. Praise God. Move, Lord. And so, you know, in the midst of this time of apostasy, thank God that there are still those, that uh, there is still a move of God. And what we need today is is ministers and preachers and pastors and evangelists that in the midst of a fa- time of falling away that will continue to stand and pro- proclaim the Word of the Lord, can I get an amen? So we're going to pick up here tonight in verse number twelve as Jude continues here to uh, describe these apostate teachers. Okay, and he doesn't mince any words, ladies and gentlemen. He he doesn't pat them on the back or anything here, but uh, he he just he he just he uses and the, and remember now this is the Holy Spirit. That is inspiring him and speaking through him here to say these things. So this is what the Holy Spirit is saying about apostate teachers, verse 12. These are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by winds, late autumn trees without fruit, Twice dead, pulled up by the roots. A while ago, I'm just mentioned, We know them by their fruit, right? Jesus said. Here, Jude said that their late autumn trees, without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, completely uprooted. They have no root. Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame. Wandering stars, of whom is reserved. Listen to him. The blackness. Of darkness forever. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about the false teachers that he introduced us to, that he he wrote this letter concerning back in verse number 4. If you remember back in verse number 4, the purpose for writing this letter for the church to earnestly contend for the faith was the fact that certain men had crept into the church unnoticed. They'd come in the side door. They'd wormed their way in. They'd slipped in unnoticed and were, were bringing in false doctrine and false teaching into the church. They were slipping it in uh, where it wouldn't be detected. No false teacher walks in a church and says, I'm here to preach some false doctrine. Who's going to let me preach? That isn't the way that it operates. That's not the way they operate. Satan is very subtle. And that's why the scripture teaches us how we are to know them. And so Jude goes on and said they've crept in unnoticed and he we talked about last week how that they were like he gave some description he said they were like they were like cain they were like balaam and they were like Korah and uh, they were that those type of individuals very rebellious against the things of god and they were a danger to the people of god and a danger to the church false teaching and false doctrine is a danger to the church amen and so that's what jesus Jude is explaining here. These false teachers sought to lead these believers away from the truth of God's grace. And as Jude said, they turned the grace of God... Into lasciviousness or to a license to sin. And that's what we see today. And it's been that way. You know, the The, the grace of God's being pr- uh, proposed as, as a license that everything's fine no matter how a person lives, that God's grace just automatically covers it and they don't have anything to worry about. But that's not what Jude is teaching and that's not what the Bible's teaching. Anytime we try to turn that grace, into a license to sin, it's not. It's, it's it's false doctrine. The Bible says that the grace of God that has appeared to all men teaches us to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Paul told Timothy, I believe it was Timothy. He said he said they they have uh, they profess they profess to know Christ, but in works they deny him. So when there is there is a profession of faith, there has to be works that back it up. We've been talking a little bit about that on Sunday morning as well. But here Jude, in this passage of Scripture, gives a string of of six very graphic images to show us what is what was happening. Well, to show them what was happening, to describe. He's taken a picture. He's taken a snapshot of these bad guys and given us a description of what they look like, so that we will know uh, how they are and what what they what their characteristics are. And so this is what he said they are. Number one, Jude says that they are spots in your love feast. One translation says there are filthy spots in your love feast or stains in your love feast. Uh, feasts. They're spots and blemishes that defile the church. We're talking about apostate teachers. They're spots and blemishes that defile the church. It's like having on a, a beautiful solid white shirt Amen. And you never want, you know, I never want to wear a white shirt when I'm going to eat spaghetti or something. You know how that goes, or barbecued ribs or anything like that. <laughs> Praise God. But it's like having on that perfect, beautiful white shirt and getting, uh, getting a stain, getting a spot, and a stain. What is it that sh- that really shows out? Is that stain that's on there? And Jude said they're like spots. They're filthy spots. They're stains that defile the church. They're dirt spots. They're filth on the garment of the church. And so he's not pulling any punches. This is what he says these false teachers are. But now the Greek word here that's translated spots in the New King James... Is translated uh, hidden uh, hidden reefs in the New American Standard. There's and, and some other translations as well. And so when I begin to study this word, I found out that it can mean both things. The Greek word that is translated here uh, in the New King James and in the King James as spots also has the meaning of submerged rocks or hidden reefs. That can wreck a ship. You know what a reef is? Those hidden rocks that are under the water, a, a rock ledge or something that that the ship doesn't know is there. They think they're in uh, they they think they're in deep water and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, they hit. They they come up on these reefs and it can tear the bottom out of the ship. Uh, Buddy and I were doing some fishing down at Wapapella a few years ago, and he was shooting across there thought we was in the channel, you know. And you know how, if anybody's ever fished at Wapapella, you know how it can be down there. Thought, And the next thing you know, we're throwing mud up. (laughs) Amen. Thankfully, it wasn't a reef or some rocks that would have sunk the boat. But that's what Jude is saying here concerning false teachers. They're hidden just under the surface, and they're that dangerous. They're submerged rocks. They're hidden reefs. They come in. They join a fellowship with a hidden agenda they have no fear he said they, 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 they come in while you feast and join those love feasts while you feast without fear they have no fear of God he said they're serving themselves they're false teachers that are like reefs within the church that can cause the shipwreck of the church cause many in the church to make shipwreck this is why ladies and gentlemen that every pastor has to be so careful about what he, what he or she allows to be preached from behind the pulpit of that church. Amen. Because we can't bring in somebody or, or teachers that would be like those hidden reefs that would wreck our fellowship and wreck our lives. Um, it's like these hidden reefs, Jude says here, that they blend in at the love feasts of the church, but they will cause you to crash eventually. Now now, what were those love feasts? I don't know how many is familiar with that, but it was something they did in the early church. They got together. It was kind of like a potluck meal. Everybody brought food. Paul dealt with that situation in the Corinthian church where it kind of got out of hand. But in that early church, when they come together, everybody brought food, kind of like we're going to do next Wednesday night. And they would have a fellowship together. A lot of the people in those early churches were poor. They didn't have anything much to eat. So the, 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 the church people would bring food in, and everybody would share a meal together. And they would have a time of fellowship together. They would also ask. After their meal, they would take the Lord's Supper, take communion, and then usually have a time of worship and the sharing of the word. And so that's what those love feasts were. And it was something that they had on a regular basis. They had them um, all the time in our, our every week when the church would come together. And so what would happen, these false teachers were worming their way in. They were slipping in. They were sliding in under the radar, coming in, and 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 a little at a time, they were infilled. Trading these love feasts and sharing their false teaching and false doctrine. No doubt, probably, you know, saying things about the pastor to other members there in the church. Well, if I was the pastor, here's what I would do. And uh, that type of thing, you know. Thank God nobody around here does anything like that. Amen. But that's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. They were blending in at those love feasts, and they were like those hidden reefs that caused the shipwreck of the church, would infiltrate from the inside to destroy the church. Jude went on to say here, he said, are spots in your love feast when they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. See, here's another uh, characteristic trait of a false teacher or a false pastor or false preacher they serve only themselves they really don't care anything about the church or the believers or the sheep or the flock they're in it only for what they can get out of it amen they're in it for what they can get out. instead of caring shepherding for and caring for the flock and the needs of the church these false teachers Only take care of themselves. And that's what Jude is talking about here. They're selfish shepherds. They're serving only themselves is what he said. And uh, the Bible talks about that. That was a problem with the leaders in Israel in the Old Testament. Listen, Isaiah called them out in Isaiah chapter 56. Listen to what Isaiah said concerning the false shepherds and the false prophets and the false leaders in Isaiah 56 and verse 10 he said this his watchmen are blind was it a couple of weeks ago I talked about the watchman how every pastor is a watchman on the wall to warn uh, of of the approaching danger but he said his watchmen are blind they're ignorant They're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. What's he saying? They're dumb dogs. They're not good watchdogs. The enemy's approaching. Danger is there. And they don't even bother to open their mouth to warn of the the danger that is there. He said they're dumb dogs. And and look at verse 11. Notice he says, and they are greedy dogs which never have enough. How many have ever seen some, uh, maybe some TV ministers that are, that way. Come on, amen. They're greedy dogs. They never have enough. One jet's not enough. They have to have two, three, or four. Come on, somebody. I know this is not maybe popular, but it's nevertheless the truth. He said, they're greedy dogs that never have enough. They are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way and everyone for his own gain from his own territory. Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 34, verses 2 and 3 said the same thing. That whole 34th chapter of Ezekiel is is, is given to the shepherds of Israel. But he said this, God said, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel and say to them thus, says the Lord to the shepherds, woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. And that's what Jude was talking about here. These these apostate teachers were only in it for what they could. They were not there to feed the flock. They were there to fleece the flock amen and that 's what they were in it for and there 's a lot of of ministries today. my goodness, I could get sidetracked here and uh, really go off on a tangent but i 'm going to try not to do that amen but i 've seen it i've've I've, i don 't even watch i don 't even watch um like you know, TBN, very very seldom Daystar, once in a while, but but some of the 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 the, the ministries that are on some of those networks who are always out there mer- trying to make merchandise of the people, Amen. Promising them things, Try, you know. Here a few years back, uh, it's been a few years. It's been quite a few years, but I remember back when when they were making these. Both some TBN and uh, Paul and Jen Crouch, God bless them. They're, they've already gone on to their reward or whatever. But, uh, but, but they, were, they were making promises to everybody. If you'll send $2,000, God will pay your house off. Let me tell you something, folks. That's making merchandise of people. There ain't a bit of truth in that at all. God doesn't operate that way. Amen? So I'm just telling you, we need to be very, very careful. Will God bless you for giving? Yeah. But you can't stand up here and say, hey, if every, every one of y'all that will give $1,000 or $2,000, God will cancel out your mortgage. That would be a lie. Well, praise the Lord. So that's what he was doing here. Uh, Jude was was warning them against those greedy shepherds that serve only themselves. You'll find them on there trying to raise sixty something million dollars a few years ago to buy another jet plane when they already have two. See, I don't have no time for that stuff. Amen. I just don't believe that's the way the Lord operates. Come on, the leaders were exploiting the people. They were in the ministry only for what they could get out of it. But Jeremiah in Jeremiah 3.15, Jeremiah describes a true shepherd and a true pastor. And I love this verse in Jeremiah 3.15. In the King James it says, And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And that's what the pastor, the shepherd is to do. To feed the flock of God. To shepherd the flock of God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And that's what I, you know, that's what I attempt to do here. Kind of like the guy, I don't want to be, you know, like the guy that, uh, you know, he, he, he was he, he was starting a church and he didn't have very many and the weather was bad one night. and He was there. He had the lights on waiting for people to come. And, uh, and nobody showed up for the service. Finally, one guy, one lone guy walked into the service and sat down. And, and he was the only one there. And the pastor asked him, said, uh, well you're the only one here he said do you want me to preach or not and the, and the guy said well I tell you what pastor he said uh, if I had uh, he said if I was a shepherd and went to feed the sheep and only one sheep showed up I wouldn't let that one sheep go away hungry Amen. And so he said, okay. So he went to preaching. And he preached and preached and preached and preached and preached and preached some more. Amen. And after he got done preaching, he preached quite a long time. And after he got done preaching, he, he, he looked at the old boy and he said, well, what do you think? How was that? And he said, well, pastor, it's like I said. He said, if I called the sheep to, to eat and only one sheep showed up, I wouldn't try to give that whole sheep the whole load. Praise God. (laughs) Amen. But pastors that God gives, He gives to feed with knowledge and understanding. Number three, Jude said that they are empty clouds. Notice that. He said they serve themselves. They are clouds without water carried by winds. Clouds without water. Oh, clouds. What what does a cloud do? Clouds promise rain. Those rain clouds come over. And, you know, when the farmer's got his crops out and he's needing the rain or in the summertime, when you got your garden out, you're needing water. You're needing some rain on that garden. And it's been a little dry spell. And all of a sudden, you know, a, a, a good rain cloud comes over. And you think, man, there we go. We're going to get some rain. And that farmer's looking. He said, we're going to get some rain. And all of a sudden, that cloud, the wind just takes it and blows it away and there's not one drop of rain that falls it's clouds that promise rain but fail to produce and they're a disappointment to the farmer and to those crops who are there dry and that's what Jude's talking about here and saying about these false teachers they seem to be men they appear to be men who can give spiritual help but their teaching is unable to produce what it claims to produce Their teaching will not produce. They make a lot of... Promises that cannot produce, that are not founded on the word of God. They can't deliver on what they promise. They're unstable, blown along with the wind. Solomon talked about it in Proverbs twenty-five, fourteen, where he said, Whoso boasts himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. And that's what these false teachers were doing. They promised liberty, but they could only give bondage. Then the fourth thing he says about them in verse number twelve, there in the latter portion of that verse, he says they're late autumn trees. He's still describing these uh, uh, these false teachers. He said they're late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead. Pulled up by the roots. What's he saying? He goes now from a picture of a cloud. He's given descriptive pictures here, and he goes from a cloud, a rain cloud that produces no rain, and he goes now to an orchard in late autumn. An orchard. Uh, in this particular time, he said, in late autumn is when that uh, farmer goes out the, He's he, Them apple trees ought to be full of apples. Amen. In, in, in the fall of the year, in the late autumn, it's time for the harvest. It's time for that, that ex- farmer to expect fruit uh, on those trees. But here he said, in late harvest, these guys are like those, those fruit trees that have no fruit whatsoever in their life. And they're, they're absolutely no fruit. And spiritual fruit, ladies and gentlemen, as Jesus said, as we mentioned a while ago, is the evidence of true salvation. Hey, man, listen to me. I'm not looking and, and think, listen, and don't get me wrong, but when I look at a minister or a ministry, and I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, I believe the gifts are still for us today, and God wants to operate in those gifts, but we're not to base somebody's how great somebody's ministry is upon the gifts that they possess or operate in, but on what kind of fruit do they bear in their life? Are they bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in their life? do they have those qualities that we're talking about on Sunday morning morning the moral excellence and the perseverance and and the love and the and the brotherly kindness and all those things and that fruit of the spirit from Galatians chapter 5 amen verses 19 through 23 are they bearing that fruit and he said that, that Jude said these teachers are like fruit trees in late autumn that do not have any Evidence of fruit. They haven't produced any fruit. He said they're twice dead. Twice dead and, and, and plucked up by the roots. What does he mean they're twice dead? They're twice dead. Well, here's what he's talking about. They were once dead. Now listen to me tonight. They were once dead in trespasses and sins. Away from God, all of us, before we got saved, are dead in trespasses and sin. Is that right? According to Ephesians chapter two verse one, they were once dead in their trespasses and sin, but they came to Christ. And were made alive and were saved. Now, I've got a, a lot of commentaries I read and study. And some of them, the, the, the guys say, well, these apostates never were Christians. They never were saved. They were, they, were, they were just apostates from the very beginning. You can't depart from something you hadn't had are you listening to me amen and this right here jude's proven right here in these verses these guys were dead in trespasses and sin but they were made alive in christ and they got born again they got saved they were on the right track at one time but now they have slid back into a state of spiritual dead so their death they they're they're, in, uh, sp- they're dead again the second time they were dead Dead, they were made alive, and they're dead again. Somebody said, well, that can't be. Well, it can be, and it happens all the time. I've heard people say before, and I've had people tell me, well, that prodigal son was just as much a son when he is in the pig pen as he was when he is at the father's house. That, In other words, trying to say that he was still uh, uh, saved, you know, and that Jesus, he was still the son. But but if you'll read that parable that Jesus gave that prodigal son, when that prodigal came back to the father's house, and they begin to have a party and make everything merry. You remember what what that that eldest son come out there and said, "What's going on?" There? He said, "We're having a party." He said, "My son was dead." And is alive. He was lost and he is found. Oh, he might have still been a son that he is a lost son, and he is spiritually dead when he's in that pig pen. He had to come back to the Lord. Amen. Are you with me tonight? That's what these guys, that's what happened to them. They were alive, they were saved, they were on the right track, but somewhere down the line, probably to, to gain wealth and to gain money and for for you know to, to undermine people they they got off on the right track on the wrong track they slid back away from the Lord Peter Peter talked about it in second Peter 20, uh, 20 2 Peter 2 and 20 he says for if after they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior that word knowledge we talked about Sunday and Sunday before last it's epinosis it means a personal relationship with God with Christ Christ. They've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turned from the holy commandment given unto them. So listen to me. That's what these guys, that's why they were twice dead. They knew the Lord. They, They went away from Him. And I know I could call names of preachers today that I used to, to to like to listen to and hear, but they've got off the wrong, they've got on the wrong track, off the right track, and are no longer preaching the faith that they one time preached. They're once were alive, they're dead, they once were alive, and now they're dead again. They're twice dead, plucked up by the roots, and they bear no spiritual fruit. Whatsoever, but they're leading people astray. God help us today. That's why we must be very, very careful. I mentioned it last week. We got to be good Bereans. Those Bereans search the scriptures. Paul preached to them, they searched the scripture daily to see if those things were true. Amen. But Jude's referring to them being twice dead. He's also referring to the second death. These false teachers are facing the judgment of eternal death and punishment in the lake of fire. When we studied Revelation uh, chapter 20, we found out that the lake of fire, Jesus said, is the second death. So these guys that are leading people astray, teaching false doctrine, are not going to heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. They're going to suffer, and we'll see uh, that here in just a few moments. Amen. Let me move on here. Let me move on. In verse 13, verse 13, here's another descriptive term used by Jude of these false teachers. He said, They're raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame. Raging waves of the sea foaming up their own shame. This is a picture of sea waves that rage and fo- foam under the winds of a storm. I loved the, you know, I didn't think I'd ever care much for the beach. I didn't like all that sand and stuff. But my wife's kind of got me where I, I get you know I don't fool with taking nothing down there. I just I, I rent the chair and the umbrella and let them have it set up for me, and I just go down there and sit down in the morning. Amen. Don't have to carry nothing but my, but my sodas and my water and my. Snacks, all right, but anyway, just to just to sit there, lay back there under that shade, and and watch those waves roll in, and it's just calming, and it's just relaxing. But 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 and it's it's beautiful. But when a storm, after a storm, that sea churns up all kinds of junk. Amen. And it it brings up it get the water it brings up foam and debris is strung all along the shoreline and driftwood and seaweed and scum and litter and all kinds of things like that. That's what Jude was saying. These guys are like those raging waves of the sea. Amen. He probably had Isaiah 5720 in mind. And 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 Isaiah said in Isaiah 5720 said the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. And that's what these false teachers, that's all they can bring up, ladies and gentlemen, is dirt and mire and unclean stuff. All, the, all of the great swelling words of those apostates all those words that, that they bring up those great swelling words all they can produce is foam and mire and seaweed and dirt see the true teachers of the word of God are bringing up treasures from the deep but the false teachers are only bringing up garbage and trash he said they're like wandering stars, Jude goes on. He says, they're like wandering stars for whom the darkness and blackness uh, of the, whom the blackness of darkness is reserved for them forever. Wandering stars. What's he talking about? You know, stars have a fixed orbit. They shine continuously. And the stars. Are used for navigation. The stars will guide the traveler through the darkness, but uh, because they're fixed but these wandering stars can only lead astray and what he's talking about here when he speaks of a wandering star is a shooting star or a meteor that just flashes across the sky in a moment there's it's there in all of its brilliance but then it just disappears into the darkness and the blackness that's the description that he's giving uh giving here of these Unfaithful false teachers. They appear for a short time. They promise lasting spiritual light and direction. But they deliver nothing but a brief, aimless, worthless flash. Shine bright for a moment. Then they're gone. Amen. They can offer no true spiritual direction or guidance. These false teachers, folks, are spiritual terrorists. Who misrepresent the truth and twist the teaching of scriptures for no other reason than to deceive people to pad their own pockets and to get a crowd and to get a following. And he said the utter utter blackness and darkness of hell is reserved for them forever. Amen. All right. Now that I've got everybody all pumped up. (laughs) Verse 14. Jude begins to talk about... A guy that we're familiar with, I think. A man by the name of Enoch. And he says in verse 14, let me read verse 14 through 16. He says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. So Enoch Enoch also spoke about these false teachers himself. And here's what Enoch had to say about them. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on, on all To convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way. Is, Is he trying to get a point across that these guys are ungodly? Amen. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. The, verse 16, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and, and they mouth great swelling words. Notice this flattering people to gain advantage. So Jude, he caps off his denunciation of these false teachers with a prophecy that was given by Enoch concerning the judgment of these false prophets and false teachers. And this prophecy that's given here in verse number 14, I think it's interesting, and maybe you probably already know this, but this prophecy that Jude gives here of Enoch, that he prophesied about these men and what he says, is not found anywhere in the Old Testament. Okay? So where did it come from? Well, it's actually found in one of the... Uh, books of the Apocrypha that we know of as the Apocryphal books and it's the book of Enoch and it was known the, the book of Enoch was known by the early church I haven't read it I've read parts of it all, just online there's some things such as what Jude references here. The Jews, the Jews did not include it, and 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 uh, it wasn't included in the canon of Scripture because they did they didn't feel that it was uh, that it was totally inspired of the of the Lord of the Holy Spirit. But there are yet some things that are in the Book of Enoch that um, are historically correct. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not in our Bible. We can't based doctrine on it or anything but nevertheless it was a book that was written not by Enoch these books were written you know between the old their intertestamental books I think they call them but they were books that were written and there's a lot of them and uh, uh, quite a few of them but they were written many of them between Malachi and Matthew there was a 400 year space between Malachi's prophecy and when John the Baptist came on the scene. 400 years without a prophet, without a word from the Lord. But there was uh, many of these books such as the book of Enoch, the book of the Assumption of Moses, and various different ones that were written during that time, that they're not included in the canon of Scripture, alright? We don't base doctrine on them. But the fact that, that Jude quotes from it, and Peter, by the way, quotes from it also in his epistle, but um, this fact, a Alone shows the historic accuracy of what it did say concerning the coming of the Lord. And the book of Enoch does mention this, what Jude is saying. But not only that, I believe Jude is inspired by the Holy Spirit to to put this down and to write it. Whether it was in the book of Enoch or not, which it is, but whether or not it was, the Holy Spirit can still inspire him to say, this is what Enoch said, and it's in line with the Scripture, with the Word of God. Amen? Are you with me? So, you know, who Enoch was, he's the seventh from Adam. He's a he's an early descendant of Adam. We read a little what, what little we know about Enoch is found in Genesis chapter 5, verses uh, 21 through 24. The Bible says that he walked with God in a time when everything was ungodly and evil and wicked. He was there, you know, his his name even prophesied, you know, uh, that uh, his his son's name actually Methuselah was even a prophecy that when Methuselah was dead, that uh, judgment was going to come on the antediluvian world. And so he walked with God. And what else do we know about Enoch? He was one of two men that didn't die. Isn't that right? He walked with God and was not, for God took him. Praise God. We know that from uh, Genesis 5, and we also know it from the writing of he- a writer of Hebrew. In Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 5, it said that Enoch was translated, that he should not see death because before his translation he had the testimony that he pleased God. So what Enoch said here that Jude is talking about is a clear prophecy that refers to what? It refers to the second coming of Christ. Not the rapture but the second coming of Christ. When Jesus returns at that second coming in Revelation chapter 19 with all the resurrected saints who have already been raptured seven years before, hallelujah, when he comes back, we come back with him. And that's what Jude said. Enoch the seventh pro- from Adam prophesied about these men, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands, not ten thousand, but ten thousands, which means an innumerable number, with ten thousands of his saints. Praise God. That's you and me. That's us coming back with the Lord at the second coming hallelujah when he comes back to fight in that battle of Armageddon to put down the armies of Antichrist and to set up the millennial kingdom we're going to be on those white horses with him praise God oh man whoo hallelujah that's exciting that's coming up in the future but when Jesus returns with all those resurrected saints all of his people Jude tells us here that the Lord will come back. And when He comes back, He's not coming back alone. And when He comes back, He's coming back for a definite purpose. Now, I'm talking when He comes back to this earth, a definite purpose. You know what that purpose is? He's coming back to judge the ungodly. That's what Jude says here. He's coming back with ten thousands of His saints to execute judgment on all. To convict all. Who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way. And of all their harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Things they've spoken against. You know they're speaking against him, against Christ all the time. They ain't going to get by with it. That judgment is going to come. So when he comes, he's coming back with that purpose. And this prophecy here that Jude gives proves that rebels against God will be punished. And this is not something that people like to hear. I mean, it shouldn't bother us. If you're saved, you're going to be judged too, but at the judgment seat of Christ and get a reward. Come on, somebody. Woo! Hallelujah but we're living in an age of acceptance and an age of intolerance and the topic of hell and the topic of eternal punishment is not popular it's very unpopular because it seems like that everybody believes today that all people are going to heaven and i wish it was true but it's not that's not true But, you know, Jesus, you know, they might not want to hear about it. And I know that, you know, oh, he's one of them old hellfire and brimstone preachers. Well, Jesus talked a lot about it. He had a lot to say in his earthly ministry about, about hell and eternal judgment. But Jude says here that the Lord's coming back in his second coming to convict those who are ungodly. Which means to expose them and prove them guilty and to show them their error. And the Lord's return, the sins of the ungodly are going to be exposed. And a verdict is going to be written, going to be rendered to them. So he calls them ungodly four different times there in those passages. Their punishment comes because they're ungodly in their actions, in their ways, in their speech. He said in verse 16, let's try to wrap this up. In verse 16, he said, here, here's some more um, some more about what they're like, describing them. They're grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust. They mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. The grumblers, we ain't got no grumblers here, right? Praise God. Got no complainers here, right? Praise the Lord. I'll just throw this out here. The Lord doesn't like grumbling and complaining. He gets very upset with that. And these were fault finders complaining about God they were saying things great swelling words, saying things against the Lord, they were constantly discontented, dissatisfied, grumbling against church leaders, against the pastor, complaining about things the, the things of God himself and and uh, God takes that personally they com- they were always complaining, but listen, listen um He said they they mouth great swelling words, and here's the point, flattering people to gain advantage. Great swelling words, flattering people for the sake of gaining advantage. You know, you have to be very careful about flattery. I had, uh, I won't call the name of the individual, they don't longer come here, haven't been here for quite some time now, but... When they came into the church, the first service they were here, and I always try to go up and introduce, make myself known to new people, they begin to brag upon themselves and then begin to flatter me. And I always get leery of that and come to find out that was a good sign because this person was up to no good from the very get-go. But listen, listen they they are flat they flatter people for the sake of gaining an advantage and that's what this person was doing that came here to church they were flattering me to try to get something from me compliments are fine compliments affirm but flattery manipulates and that's what flattery That's what these false teachers. Flattery. You know what flattery is? It's false praise. And it's used to manipulate people. And it said that they would use these great swelling words and flatter the people to gain advantage. To gain advantage of them. To get them to get a following. And Paul told Timothy that in the last days they would not endure sound doctrine. But he said they would heap to themselves teachers praise. Having what? Itching ears and would turn away their ears from the truth and be turned to fables. And these false teachers know, listen to me, they know what the people want to hear. And they know how to flatter them. And they know how to build them up. And they know how to lead them astray. To get what they want out of them. This is why, church, that we're living in such a dangerous day and a dangerous time. Amen? And this is why we as believers need, definitely need to be on our guard all the time. Praise God. Let me read these uh, last few verses. The grumblers, complainers, the flattering people, verse 16, for advantage. But notice what he says. But you, beloved, but you, beloved, talking to the the saints here, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus. He's calling their attention now to what the apostles have already said. In other words, get your, get your mind off of what these false teachers and remember what the apostles said to you already and how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions Not having the Spirit. Not having the Spirit of God. They're sensual. They're worldly, they're fleshly, they're, they're guided by their own senses and the flesh and not by the Spirit of God. And he said, the apostles told you. He's referring specifically, well, to Paul. Paul mentioned it in Acts chapter 20. But Peter mentioned it specifically in Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, that Peter, remember what Peter said? He said, in the last days that there would come scoffers. There would come scoffers in the last days, and they would be saying, where is the promise of His coming? For everything continues now as it has since the beginning. Everything's the same. Jesus, in other words, they're going to be saying, Jesus ain't coming back. There's those that's teaching that today. There's a group of the 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 uh, that NAR group that, uh, not the NRA, but the NAR, the uh, New Apostolic Reformation, the new apostolic reformation. They're dominionist, They don't believe in a rapture. They believe the church is going to, to, to bring the world into the perfect place that it needs to be. And then when the church gets the world that way, you know, and, and, and that, that everything's perfect, then we, the church, will usher in the millennium. Uh, they, they're not even talking about a coming of the Lord or the rapture of the church. They believe in His coming, the second coming, way off in the future. But you've got those today. And even even those in Pentecostal circles that one time believed that there was going to be a rapture. Many of them don't even believe in a rapture anymore. They don't even believe that the Lord's coming. And Jesus himself prophesied of that as well. For he said that they would, they would be in that place where they would say, Oh, the Lord's delaying His coming. And they would begin to beat the men's service and the maid service. And they begin to drink and get drunk with the drunkards. In other words, they stop looking for the coming of the Lord. They just don't believe. he's coming back and that's what Jude is referring them back to Peter and what Peter wrote when he said when he said remember that how that those apostles told you there would be mockers in the last time that's the day we're living in today that would walk according to their own ungodly there he uses that word ungodly again their own ungodly lust their men that lead into sin and ungodliness they cause division within the church and they have not got the spirit of God that's Jude's warning to those first century believers and to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today we need revival like we've never seen it before amen in these last days and to be aware and to be on guard all the time listen know your Bible Huh? That's going to be one of the things we're going to deal with Sunday that we are to add to our faith is knowledge. To know God's Word. You'll be hard to be led astray and deceived if you know know the Scriptures. But always stay full of the Holy Spirit. Know the Word of God. And be ready. Be ready also all the time when... uh, False teachers try to entice you. be selective with what you watch as far as the religious programs, and be selective with with who you listen to and what you listen to and i 've heard people say this, and i've i've said it before myself, well, you know I know they don't <clears throat> they don 't teach some things that are not right, but i 'm going to just i 'm going to eat the straw or eat the hay and spit out the sticks. You better be careful, because you could swallow a stick or two. Huh? <laughs> you better be careful. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the precious Spirit of the Lord. We thank you for your goodness and mercy, for the Word of God, and for teaching us your Word tonight. We pray that you will just help us to be those good Bereans, Lord, that will that will stand, stand for you and for your word. And not in any way, not in any way, be led astray by deception or false teaching in these last days. That will everyone be ready to hear the sound of that trumpet. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.